Hello, how are you doing? Oh, that was a creaky chair, wasn't it? Um, I just had the most wonderful chat with this next guest. Uh, Dr. Kat Liddell is just fascinating. And honestly, I could listen to her talk for hours. If you have trouble with your sleep, then she is the person for you. And we're about to have a conversation to really understand why sleep is so important. There's a little bit of advice for you at the end if you're listening to this as you're brushing your teeth and before you climb into bed and switch out your light, she's got a message for you. Uh, but enjoy the conversation. I certainly did. I'm going to send you right on over to that conversation in a minute. But first, I wanted to remind you that the Amazing Women Leaders programme is now open for booking. If you find that you have maybe put your own hopes, dreams and ambitions on the back burner in favour of other people's priorities, we've suddenly realised that the life you're living isn't quite what you'd hoped. Then reach out and let's get you on this programme. It takes place over six months and it's designed for women who want to lead their lives from the front. We will meet monthly and I'll support you in between those sessions with home missions and different motivators to keep you going. I'll set you up in a cohort of women who will have your back, who will challenge and inspire and support you long after the programme's finished. Reach out, drop me a line, let me answer any questions. I know that this can be a big deal, so I'm really happy to talk you through what's in it for you. This programme's been described as life-changing by its participants, and I'd love it to have the influence for you too. Okay, let's hop on over to that conversation. Hello and welcome to From Inside the Hive with me, Jane Galloway from Quiet the Hive. I am delighted to welcome my next guest onto the podcast. And actually, we have a mutual friend. So you may remember Margaret Shearer from a few series back now. And Margaret put us in touch, and I'm so glad she did, because Kat is an absolute delight. I met with her um, before we were recording this podcast episode, and I could have listened to her talk for hours and hours and hours. Uh, she is the founder and head of sleep health at Somnia. She is the author of the book Sleep Sense and an absolute wonder to listen to so I'm delighted to welcome you Kat how are you? I'm fine thank you uh, and yeah it's it's a real pleasure to be here uh, and speaking to you, uh, to you today. Yay great well I'm so pleased that you're here and I'm so glad um, kudos to Margaret for putting us in touch because that was a good shower I think. So tell us a little bit about you and what it is that you do what is the head of sleep health and what what's your role? Good, good question. Um, and I always sort of sometimes, well, yeah, I actually most of the time struggle to describe what what I do because it's so rare. But in a nutshell, I help people, predominantly women, sleep well and feel good. And that is really actually the thing that I do um, by by helping um, a woman sort of overcome her sleep problems. Um, mm -hmm. It means sort of gaining more energy. And with that also happiness, confidence to do the things she wants to do. Um, because one, one thing that lack of sleep does, I mean, there's lots and lots of stuff, but one thing that it does, it sort of can sort of, um, sort of grate away at our confidence and sort of our sense of being able to live our lives. 
Um, whether that is necessarily true or not, it's not the question, but for the person, it is that sense of I'm not really enjoying my, my living my life to the full. Um, and so by working with someone on their sleep problems um, and finding ways of making changes and you know getting good sleep, that is really that the feel good factor that I that I help my clients with. Absolutely. I think that's wonderful. It's such a fascinating topic and something that people take so much for granted unless you're not doing it well. And then suddenly it just impacts so heavy on you and the way you live your life and the quality of the way you live your life, I expect, as well. Yeah, exactly. It is that quality of life. And, you know, it's not actually just you um, because we all connected to other people. And in one way or another, the people around you sort of feel it, are, are impacted upon um, by, by it. And that could be because your mood might be low um, or you are tired or they're concerned about you, right? I mean, there's lots of different ways, but um, it's not just the person who's not sleeping well. Yeah. Um, it actually goes a little bit, a little bit wider, um, I would say. I'm, I'm really lucky that I've never hugely struggled from sleep um, issues, touch wood, I hope that remains the case, but I certainly know if I'm tired, I have much less patience with my children. I'm much quicker to temper and less willing to sit down and listen to them or discuss things with them because I'm, I'm tired and I get ratty. Yeah, exactly. And then you might realize that at some point, and then you might beat yourself up for being, you know, a ratty mum. You know, why am I not more patient with them? And and then things can sort of spiral from, from there. Well, this is something completely normal. You know, everyone has a poor night at some point in their lives, and it does impact on our mood and our physical health and so on and so forth, but for sure the mood. And so we are, yeah, a bit sort of short-tempered. It's completely normal. Not an excuse, but it's a normal human being. But our inner critic can then you know jump into action so let tell me a little bit about so we've we've skirted around the edges a bit there about why sleep is so important but but why is it so important why why do we sleep why do we need sleep and why is it particularly important for women because I know that that's kind of your specialty area isn't it that sleep quality for women yeah um so the reason I I sort of focus on women or is that you know women experiencing are experiencing poor sleep proportionally speaking more than men for various different reasons you know one is our biology that's unique um with the, the menstrual cycle pregnancy uh, menopause or transition mm -hmm. so you know biology around that but there's also then around that is the social life you know becoming a mum so being a mum of children growing up yeah. Um, again, then being in the menopausal age, maybe being a grandma, maybe not. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot going going on there, um, which is why I, I yeah, work, work with women. Being a woman myself kind of lends itself, I guess, to that as well. Um, but your other question was, why is, why is sleep so important? What's the role of sleep? And actually that last bit, what's the role of sleep? We don't know what mm. the role of sleep is and whether there is just one but we know that sleep is important for our health and well-being. And um, I really like this idea of sleep being like the temporal niche, the sort of time of day. Um, our body and brain, for me, they go hand in hand. So our body can do its repair, restoration and repair, tissue yeah. repair, metabolic pathways, um, resources, even willpower, right? All of that is restored while we are sleeping so that then the next day 
we can be the best version of ourselves. We can do the things we want to do, whether that's at work or private life, you know, family. I mean, this word performance for me is so much more than just workplace. Yes. Um, um, And sort of that word sleep sort of enables us to do. It's, It's the foundation. It's incredible. I think it's just, you you take it for granted because it's just something that we do. We get to the end of our day and we think, right, now is the time to sleep. And you sleep if you're lucky to get good night's quality sleep. But you forget about actually you're asleep, whatever that feels like or looks like or is, but your body and your mind are working really hard, I suppose, in a passive way to deal with what happened that day. So you're your dreams and the way your brain sort of thinks about memories and logs things away it's almost like it's busy 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 whirring doing all the things it needs to while you're sleeping that's how I kind of picture it would that is that right is that what exactly that's exactly it so when we are awake you know our attention our awareness is focused sort of outwardly from us you know the world the world around us Mm -hmm. um and when we when we sleep it's not that our consciousness turns off or that our brain switches off quite the opposite right we need the brain to be active all the time but the the way maybe it works that changes and in a way the awareness the attention is focused inwardly like you just said you know sleep is important for the consolidation of memory you know, as we go throughout the day, we have all these experiences and, and that sort of knowledge mm. is stored, you know, in a temporary storage place up there in the brain. And when we sleep, as we go through the different sleep stages, light sleep, deep sleep, and REM sleep, which is commonly yeah, what we call the dream sleep, um, all of those are, you know, are important for the consolidation of our, our memories and for the processing of our emotions. Um, so that we are not as reactive the next day and you, you know you can you can see this in someone who hasn't slept very well or not enough um emotionally very reactive so, so yeah so conversely then if you're not sleeping presumably your body isn't getting the chance to do all of that stuff in in the way that it needs to which then has the knock-on impact like you've described yeah exactly so for anyone you know who's willingly cutting cutting short their sleep um, there we see at some point health problems um, and it could be something like weight gain, it could be diabetes, obesity, there's certain cancers, um, the immune system suffers, you know, your skin, your hair, I mean, everything, sleep for me really is the foundation for our health, our well-being, and our mood. And if you take that foundation away, things will start to fall apart with the best health, you know, diet and, you know, the best exercise routine all important but if you don't have your sleep that foundation that's just at some point gonna you know fall fall away basically and and so if I think about poor quality sleep and um I guess how do you describe it diseases of sleep or illness of sleep I don't know but if you I I know about I think I know about insomnia you know that's something I've I've heard of but there must be other ways. I mean, what, because insomnia as a, as is presumably a catch-all for a different range of things, because it's not, it doesn't always look the same for different people, does it? Yeah, exactly. It's an umbrella term. Um, And so, yeah, with insomnia, we have um, the group of people who struggle to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And then often, but not always, they sleep through the night. Others get to sleep fine, but then they wake up in the middle of the night and struggle and maybe are awake for an hour or two. 
um, and then get off to sleep. And then there's the third group who wake up very early, so before their alarm clock. Yeah. Um, and then actually there's a fourth group who have unrefreshing sleep. Um, so there is no, they're not aware of an sort of obvious problem Mm-hmm. but they lie awake but they just don't have refreshing sleep and then you get a mix you know of all these symptoms they can combine in in different in different ways um so every story is is unique yeah um, absolutely there's some common ingredients maybe um but every story is is unique and you need to get an understanding of what the person what the woman is experiencing currently going through maybe you know, past often plays a role, not always. Um, and then find ways, okay, how can we make, where can we make changes? And equally, where can't we make a change? And can we be okay with the things we cannot change? And it must be, I imagine it must be really hard. I know in the times when I've not slept well, the next night, if I've had two nights of not great sleep, I kind of think I really need to sleep well tonight because I'm so tired. And you I find myself putting stress on myself to make sure that I sleep well. And I'm sure that must have the converse effect from what I'm hoping for, because going to bed in that stress state can't help either. So I imagine for people who suffer some form of insomnia or a combination over time, it must just be exhausting to to expect that you or to know that your quality of sleep is just not going to be right. Yeah, exactly. And so you go with that with that mindset that belief that thought that this will be a rubbish night that's how you go to bed Mm. um and the body will will kind of act accordingly right it's the same as if you go into a meeting with maybe um a a difficult client or difficult customer and you know if you go into that meeting with that mindset your body posture tone of voice your thinking will be different probably yeah. much more narrowed and more tense compared to going in there um thinking oh this is a lovely person mm-hmm. compared to well this is a person let's see how that person is yeah yeah right? absolutely these are all three different ways of how you show up based on the idea a belief you you have um and that is often part of the work is, is sort of kind of figuring that out realizing that how these beliefs and you know to be quite honest predictions and by prediction I don't mean that they're not coming true yeah just at the point of time when the thought enters the mind yeah it's a prediction but how that can then you know shape the body that's really important to understand and you you spoke earlier, you mentioned about that link between sleep and confidence as well. So so how does the quality of sleep that you're having impact on things like, um, you know, I, I deal a lot in the inner critic and I'm running a lot of sessions at the moment on imposter syndrome and the inner critic. How can sleep and the inner critical confidence, what's the link between those? So with with lack of sleep, I mean, what it does sort of physiologically, you know, it has an impact on the brain, how different um, areas of the brain are connected, how well they're connected or not. And what we see in women in particular is that the um, that sort of the the anxiety of effect after a poor night, it's much more pronounced in women than than in men. Right. So feeling anxious. 
um, inner critic often is to do with protecting, you know, do the things right. And if you yeah. do them wrong, you know, then no one will love you and you'll end up living under a bridge. Um, and so <laughs> this is kind of a drastic story. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> um, so so this the, the inner critic because you know that the the brain is in a high, more anxious state you know and sort of in the has the sense of danger mm. danger somewhere um that is the ideal for me ideal sort of breeding ground for the inner critic to come on board to tell you have to do everything right partially also because we're constantly told it's not necessarily incorrect but still, it's constantly told that if you don't sleep well, you know, your memory goes and your your health will immediately fall apart. Yeah. Everything will deteriorate. Um, so everything will be so much harder. Again, I'm not saying that is wrong, but there's also a narrative that's playing, I think, in the media that's not necessarily helpful. So again, that's all perfect fodder for the inner critic to, you know, beat you up, beat you into shape. Yeah. And I can imagine, so you spoke about working with women and women having um different well it, it's interesting is it because you know men and boys have they go through puberty and that's kind of a big significant change for them and women will go through puberty and they may also go through gestation and childbirth and they will go through menopause and actually one of the things that i'm learning about menopause from the conversations i've had recently through some of these podcasts is that it's not just about the physical symptoms you know people talk about menopause as having physical symptoms but one of the huge psychological symptoms which i'm discovering is is prevalent for women is that anxiety piece so if you combine the the sleep side effects and the poor sleep side effects that can be associated with menopause and the anxiety that you might experience when you're going through menopause and you times that together, that must have hugely significant impact. Yeah, double one. Uh, absolutely. Um, it, it is. Um, and for me, the way I, I try to, to work is to, um, again, working with an understanding, just be, you know, biologically, physiologically, what's going on. And then working on this allowing piece, allowing or accepting, but that's not a resignation, that's, it's a choice, um, a choice that I'm making. And that is then also what I bring in is compassion, compassion for yourself and the situation you find yourself in, which is not of your doing, it's, you know, human biology, female biology, um, you know, um, and so bringing, bringing that in um, rather than this is again, to come back to the inner critic, right? With that inner critic beating you to shape yeah. um, and that you have to be different to how you are right now, because that's just, you know, it's no, not unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And that bring, gets you into a struggle, gets you into a fight. Um, so by bringing in that compassion piece, I allow myself to be as I am. Doesn't mean I like it. Doesn't mean I say wonderful. Yeah. I allow myself because I understand this is how life works. Um, that's where I can bring in a, I don't know if stillness is the best word to describe it, a calmness. I don't want to say a relaxation. There's a sort of a calmness. Maybe it's a groundedness. Yeah. Um, and that then allows tension to just dissipate. And that struggle is gone. Yeah. That um, that compassion for yourself, I think, must be really yeah. key in that. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that then helps with sleep and that helps in other areas, you know, for example, the, the anxiety. Mm. Um, and um, the really good thing for me as a scientist is that there is also, you know, data to back this up. Um, yeah. You know, there are studies showing that a more compassionate approach to your menopause, menopausal transition, you know, helps to sort of, yeah, be less bothered and have a better quality of life. Um, so that's always nice to know. Um, okay. But I, I see it in my clients, right? And that's, um, yeah, what matters the most. So what can we be doing to look after our sleep and prioritise that? Um, plan for it, you know, um, make it a priority, not the priority, um, because I believe that that changes from day to day. Mm-hmm. Um, but sleep is high up there so that, you know, I, I plan for it and allow the time that I personally need. Everyone, you know, has a different sort of sleep duration. Everyone has different sleep times and they can change throughout our years, um, our lives as well. Little children go to bed early, mm-hmm. teenager genuinely go a bit later, then things become earlier again. So um, <laughs> there's, there's movement within this, but generally, you know, I know, how much sleep I need and what my sleep times are. And, you know, most nights I'll, I'll sort of plan for that, not in a fixed routine, but the way my, my evening is set up, you know, enables me to be in bed, you know, sometime after 10, read a little bit and then turn off the light. But then also my day, you know, and that starts the moment I wake up is, is sort of, um, De- yeah, develops in a way that supports sleep the following night. So I make sure I expose myself to light in the morning. I'm mindful, you know, of how much coffee I consume and when I consume it. Um, I make sure, you know, there is exercise, a healthy diet, you know, hydration. Again, not in a regimented way. Uh, it's just part of sort of healthy living. Um, and sort of in, in that sense, just, you know, planning in sleep within your day that that's probably the best thing you can do that's really interesting so one of the questions I wanted to ask you about was was your own bedtime routine and and maybe you can share if there are any tricks there but it's interesting that you talk about it's not just about what you do at bedtime it's what you do throughout the day so even waking up and being in natural light to make sure I presume to make sure that you're waking up fully and you're kind of telling your circadian rhythm okay it's time to get up it's light it's time to be awake it's fascinating that it's throughout the day. And I heard you mention hydration. So what, what you're drinking, um, what you're eating. So food, exercise, and that exposure to light. So there's a whole range of things that one should be trying to build into your day to help you get ready for the end of your day. Yeah, exactly. And then the final piece for me is um, a bit of me time. Mm-hmm. Do something you enjoy, not something that you have to do, but something that you enjoy doing. And that can vary from, from evening to evening. I often use the example of going, you know, for a food shop yeah. in the late afternoon, evening. Um, so my my husband, he he hates that, you know, nothing more than that having to go to, you know, the supermarket and do, do a food shop. That's mm-hmm. not relaxing at all in his view. <laughs> for me, however, you know, after a client day, I absolutely enjoy just wandering down the aisles and pick the things that we need, that I believe we need. Um, <laughs> and it really helps me to, you know, switch my mind from work mode into home life. Um, and I can sense that sort of relaxation. 
Now, I don't want to do that every night, for sure. You know, next night I might be choosing to watch a particular movie or read a book or, you know, or talk to a friend. Mm. Um, but the point here is I, I choose something that's truly for me. Um, so that me time, uh, that, that's another big piece, um, I believe, for, for good sleep. I think different people swear by different things, don't they? So some people will say that a warm bath before bed is really, really good or a glass of milk or whatever it might be. Is there something about if you find something that works for you, then that's probably a good thing? Or are there things that are bad? So I'm thinking about things that you enjoy doing. So for me, definitely that would be reading, cooking, I find really mindful. So just that routine of chopping and stirring and waiting and all of that. I do also guiltily quite enjoy a bit of a flick through Instagram, which is my hangout. But I know that that screen time is not so good close to bedtime. So are there some things that are better to do than others or should you just if the thing that you do works for you that's that's what you should stick with mm. I think what you said there with the Instagram flicking through that's a good example right is that right or wrong I couldn't say you know if that is something that you enjoy and it helps you to take your mind off and get that sense of relaxation you know absolutely from a sleep perspective I would probably say okay could you do that maybe an hour before you go to bed or could you dim the light could you install a blue light filter? Right? Yeah. That's what I would say from a, from a sleep perspective. Um, yeah. you know, otherwise, I think um, it's interesting what you said a moment ago, you know, if you find something that works for you, this idea of work, work in what way works to get you to sleep mm -hmm. or works for you to give you the sense of me time? Yeah, I guess I was thinking about something that makes you feel relaxed something that because that that shopping thing I totally get that completely I really love up and down the aisles but it's quite a mindful thing to do isn't it because you are you're think you may be thinking ahead you might be thinking about tomorrow or whatever but you're focused on what food do I need to nourish my body that's basically where you are isn't it so it feels quite mindful so I guess for me those mindful activities do feel quite you used the word grounding earlier and it's it's that isn't it? it's kind of grounding and centering so maybe yeah it's a good question maybe I was thinking about something that kind of is relaxing I guess yeah yeah absolutely right and that that can come the, the, the sort of me time kind of different different qualities yeah. um but yeah the relaxing piece is probably the most helpful for sleep what I would be mindful of is um saying a bath gets me to sleep Mm -hmm. that's very very quickly it goes to I have to have a bath every night in order to fall asleep yes yeah it becomes a crutch for you doesn't it something you rely on and then if you're in a hotel that only has a shower what do you do problem exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought of that that's a really good one actually yeah. and I've had clients who had exactly that problem right that item wasn't available to them um, and then hell breaks loose in worst case scenario um so yeah. it's it, it's something I enjoy but you know that therefore me time to feel good um and then it's almost like the positive knock-on effect is you know the, the sleep um but predominantly it's just for me um to do that feel good piece Kat I'd love to know how did you get into this field so you've got a um an MSc and a PhD is that right mm -hmm. so you are you are Dr Kat um and how did you get into the field of sleep what was it that drew you into it 
So I got into that field, um, probably a lot of circumstances that, that happened there. Um, but my first degree is uh, in, in biology and zoology. And as part of that, I had an, it had an element of chronobiology. Now, chronobiology relates to your body's timing system. You mentioned circadian rhythms early yeah. on. So your body clock, which sort of creates these circadian rhythms in literally every process that happens in your body. Um, and that was sort of my way in, actually. And um, I was working also sort of biology, zoology, so working with, with animals, looking there at seasonality. And then through, like I say, a lot of sort of, sort of things that just happened. I um, was working a year in South Africa with meerkats. So again, something completely different. Uh -huh. um, and sort of from there, I then ended up coming to the UK to, to do my PhD in, again, actually sleep and circadian rhythms. So I have a foot in both these, these fields, um, which I'm really grateful for because the body clock is so important when it comes to sleep and when it comes to our health, physical and mental health. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I've got sort of a foot in both of these fields. And it's, it's clear that you absolutely are in the right place because when you talk about what you do you you are it, I just find it mesmeric to listen to you it's just fabulous and you've written this book Sleep Sense and we were talking before we came on that you have just released the second edition is that right? Yeah yeah exactly and this time they made it sort of a bit more colourful which I quite like um, <laughs> uh, yeah so that's uh, quite quite a nice thing um, yeah second edition came came out earlier this summer Congratulations. Um, That's really amazing. So what does that cover? What, what, if, if someone wanted to find out more about what you've been talking about, is Sleep Sense a good place to start? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's not a self-help book for someone who suffers from insomnia because there are, you know, great books um, out there. So I don't, I thought, you know, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel here. Um, mm. For me, this is much more about giving an understanding of what is sleep, you know, why, why is it so fascinating? Why am I, yeah, so passionate about <laughs> it? Um, sharing that with, with the reader, yeah, to give them a good understanding, you know, what is sleep? What does it enable us to do? And sort of, you know, some sort of, yeah steps of how to look after your sleep mm -hmm. um but as i said it is not aimed at someone who has a sleep disorder um this is much more fundamental this is this is what it is this is for anyone who's enjoying listening to you talking about what sleep is and why it's important they need to follow up with the book yeah. and find out more absolutely so one of the questions i've started asking um some of my guests on the podcast is is what, what advice would you give to your younger self? And that can be about anything that you've learned as you've grown up, or it can be specifically around sleep. But if you had a piece of advice to give to your younger self, what would you share with her? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, and I think it would be just follow your heart. Um, you don't have to have a straight line. Uh, you don't have to map it out ahead of, you know, yeah, years, sort of mapping out the next few years. It's totally fine to, to just go and follow your heart and explore. Um, I love that. It's okay not to have a straight line. I like that a lot. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So if people wanted to, if, if they want to find out more about what it is you do, or if they're interested in working with you, do you take clients on, Kat? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, that's yeah, like, and I work I mean, predominantly with women, but I also work with with men uh, because you know men also have sleep problems at times. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, I, I work with clients predominantly online. It's just easier. It means you know I can cover almost like all time zones. They have worked with people in Hawaii, worked with people in New Zealand, and nice. we somehow always make it work that no one is suffering. Um, yeah, so best would be just to go to um, my website, which is somnia.org.uk, um, and then just send me an email um, either to hello at somnia.org.uk or directly to me, and then I will respond and we'll take it from there. Brilliant. And I'll make sure I put all of your contact details in the show notes um, so that people can reach out. Are there plans for a second book or anything else on the horizon? What's next for you, Kat? Yeah, I I would love to at the moment. Time is I think a little bit the limiting factor, but I'd love to write a book on the body clock mm. um, because I mean people are becoming more aware or the media starts to talk a bit more about the body clock um, the science is, is there showing you know just how important it is to live in alignment with your body clock um, and so I think that would be yeah in, in my head that's that's my next project to that's write really, about. Really interesting one of the things that when I'm talking about energy um, and where people can get their energy and things one of the things I do suggest is thinking about your chronotype and are you a, a lark or an owl or a hummingbird or whatever it is and and you know just scratching the very surface of that is interesting so it must be fascinating to that's where your head is that's where you spend your time it must just be fascinating yeah and just on that it is so true right that whatever your chronotype is knowing what it is you know it just gives you such an advantage um and hopefully at some point the society will change the way it works from a timing perspective because i'm more of an early bird mm -hmm. i have no problem with being you know at my my desk for eight nine o'clock but other people who are late who naturally want to go to bed at 3 a.m yeah. but still need seven eight hours uh, they they struggle to be at their desk for eight or nine and so they're cutting short their sleep and that will also mean that they have probably a poorer sleep quality because there could be a worry will I be able to wake up um, and that really has has a knock-on effect again on so many areas of their life maybe the lives of their loved ones um, yeah so finding out what your chronotype is and then hopefully being able to live and sleep according to it um, is, is the best thing it's what it's one of the benefits of working flexibly isn't it that you can yeah. you, know, you can flex your start and finish times to suit your energy levels and your chronotype it's so important and the same with teenagers because my understanding is that teenager your sleep needs change when you become a teenager and they were they were talking a while ago there was a conversation about whether six forms and um six form colleges and and things like that would start later because teenagers needed that extra bit of sleep or their their sleep patterns change but wouldn't it be brilliant if we became a society where we said we know that you're a lark so you start really early and we know you're an owl so it's fine for you to start at 10 11 o'clock or whatever so we'd, we'd get the best out of everyone wouldn't we in that way yeah, we would I mean we're a globally connected workforce you know Absolutely. the larks deal with Australia the owls deal with the US I don't yeah. understand why not and you're right with the with the teenagers 
it's it's their sleep times that that change right. they naturally want to go to bed late and because they still need nine ten hours depends on the age they they then want to have that so-called lie-in in the morning yeah. um and that is the problem with school start times where they've done experiments where they did push back school start times they did see better grades less sick days and um, so that had you know a positive knock-on effect absolutely yeah. So yeah, it would you know probably mean a lot for a lot of um, certainly my clients sometimes work with teenagers. Um, it would make their lives so much easier. See if we all knew a little bit more about sleep and about our chrono chronological chrono I can't even say it. But if we, yes, thank you. If we knew more about our sleep and our chronotype, then actually we could we could really change the world, couldn't we? Absolutely. <laughs> what piece of advice would you like to leave people with if they're thinking, if they're listening to this, as they're preparing for their bedtime, maybe they're brushing their teeth while they've got this on, or they're just winding down for bed. Is there any last piece of advice that you'd like to tell them before they climb in and switch out the light? That their body knows how to sleep, their brain knows how to sleep, and just to allow the moment to unfold. I love that. Great advice from Kat. Thank you so much for being here. I've loved our conversation. It's been fascinating. And if you get around to the second book, you need to come back, please. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Kat. It's been Thank brilliant. You. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. How good was that? So if we all knew a little bit more about our chronotypes and a little bit more about how sleep impacts us. I wonder what difference that would make. I have some friends who struggle with sleep and I'm thinking about two in particular who I love very much and I hope that this helps them. I can't imagine how hard it must be. The only time I've struggled with my sleep is um, when my mum died, that was the, the worst bit. Um, and obviously having two small children, that's an interesting time, but you kind of know that there might be an end in sight with that. So for all of you who live with insomnia, and you two in particular, you know who you are, I'm sending you all my love, and this one was for you. I will speak to you next time. Until then, take good care. If you enjoyed this podcast from Inside the Hive by Quiet the Hive, then please leave us a five-star rating or drop us any comments in the box below. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Any comments or ratings you give us all help other people who would benefit from the content to find us. Thanks so much.